Righto, this show is made possible by Key Person of Influence, which is a 40-week accelerator program designed to make you more visible, more valuable, and more connected in your industry. If you want to learn how to do that immediately, then you can grab a free hard copy of their New York Times bestseller over at keypersonofinfluence.com forward slash Timbo. And I suggest you only read that during the day, because I tell you what, if you read it at night, you won't sleep. I didn't. And we are lovingly supported by the good folk at Web Central, which is a business dedicated to helping small business owners like you increase sales by having a fantastic online presence, a sublime digital footprint, if you will. You can grab an exclusive listener deal over at webcentral.com.au forward slash, you guessed it, Timbo. Now, don't get me wrong. I love all my guests. Well, almost all of them. But every now and then, one comes along who's on fire. They've got an amazing product, they love what they do, and they simply can't seem to put a foot wrong. Allow me to introduce you to Lana Hopkins of Monpurse. Très bon. Yeah, I say, welcome to a small business marketing show where successful small business owners share their souls to take your marketing straight to the lead. Now, here's your host, Mr. Timbo Reed. And welcome back to another episode of Australia's number one marketing show. I'm your host, Timbo Reed. You, infinitely more importantly, you're a motivated business owner, whether you like it or not, and you are ready to crank out some great marketing to build that beautiful business of yours into the empire it deserves to be. And guess what? It's exactly what we do around here at the Small Business Big Marketing Show. Oh, yes, indeedly doodly. And have we got a big show for you today. Lana Hopkins is our special guest, and Lana is the founder of an amazing retail experience called Mon Purse, oui, oui. which is a personalised luxury handbag and leather goods business. And boy, oh boy, I've got to tell you, has she created an amazing business in a very short amount of time? Yep, it's one of those stories. Highly, highly inspiring. Hey, I share another low-cost marketing idea in the wonderful segment, What Have You Got to Lose? Today's idea involves merch but not just any merch. And we go back into the SBBM. That would be the Small Business Big Marketing Vault and revisit a past episode in which we caught up with viral video mastermind David Christensen. As per usual, team, there is marketing G-O-L-D dripping from the ceiling over here at Small Business Big Marketing's HQ. So let's get stuck right in. Coming up, I do share another easy-to-implement marketing idea in What Have You Got to Lose? But first, let's meet Lana Hopkins, who is the co-founder of this amazing online and offline retail business called Monpurse, which has absolutely exploded over the past 12 months. Now, Monpurse, it is a personalised luxury handbag and leather goods business, right? So basically, they allow you to make a handbag or a wallet from scratch. You choose the leathers, 
colours, linings, metal details. Um, you can put your initials on it. Do all that stuff. Completely personalised experience. It then gets manufactured in Europe and shipped to anywhere in the world. Now, we cover so much ground in this interview. In fact, I get to say very little, which I kind of love. And it's kind of unusual, isn't it, right? Because, yeah, you know what I mean. Uh, Lana gives so much. This is what we cover, where the idea came from and, hint, it involves teddy bears, um, how Lana did a million bucks in the first three months, how Lana has established distribution in Myers right across Australia, Selfridges and Bloomingdale's in NYC, why she never sales, it never does sales and never does discounts, and how she avoids overwhelm as the business grows exponentially. Really, really insightful interview here, team. I started off by asking Lana to share where the idea for Mon Purse came from. I think that um, I was running around through Westfield and Bondi yeah. um, looking for that perfect handbag. And, I, you know, I was a very time-poor person. So, for me, it was it was quite important that I found the perfect handbag. Nothing was available. And I was disheartened to the point of walking out of the last, I think it was an Oriton store, Mimco store in Bondi. And as I walked out, I walked straight into the teddy bear workshop in Bondi, Westfield, which you might be familiar with. Yeah. Um I walked in and I spent an hour designing this perfect teddy bear from scratch. So everything from picking his little eyes, his nose, um, his outfits, etc. I had to actually put a heart and his soul in his body. So it was quite a it was quite a, an intimate process. And I thought, wow, here I am. I'm a 30 year old woman. I'm getting really excited about building a bear, um, and I'm trampol as well. So for me, that was the realisation point where I thought, okay, well, I was quite unsuccessful in my endeavours to find the perfect handbag. However, I've just created a bear. How would my immediate girlfriends feel about creating that perfect handbag? It was a, what we call a come-to-Jesus moment. It was a moment of moment of truth, so yeah. to speak. So, wow. And, and you really just you were in that workshop going, you know what? This is a business here. I can do it. This is a business here. I can do it. Despite the fact that I didn't come from a, a manufacturing or retail background. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Good. What, what background had you come from? What were you doing be- before you started Mon Purse? Yes, of course. So I used to work at News Corp. Um, was, at the time, I was actually working at MasterChef magazine on uh, in the media sales department. And at the time of having the idea for Mon Purse, I was actually a, uh, a marketing director for another Another small e-commerce business called iCover Lover, which my husband James had started, and that was a business which sold smartphone cases, particularly smart uh, custom smartphone cases. And so I was sort of thinking, okay, well I've had a bit of experience doing that. Why don't I turn this into a really great idea that gives my girlfriend something to look forward to? And I think at the, in the beginning you've always got to look for that personal problem that you've had, that personal encounter, and try to find a solution for that. Well, I totally. Agree. Agree. And having spoken to well over 300 successful business owners, that's a recurring theme of I had the problem. If I've got the problem, others have got it. I'm going to solve it. But what I love about what you've done, Lana, is that you don't have any manufacturing experience. Um, you've you've literally come out of a, a very uh, an unrelated industry almost uh, in in News Corp and publishing. So tell me, Mon Purse is not a simple business. How does it all work in the background? Yeah, look, of course it's not. But I think the main thing that we try to do here at Mon Purse is uncomplicate the complicated, yeah. if that makes sense. Oh yeah, and I think. 
I think that, you know, you sort of, the way that it started in the beginning is I started to, I literally jumped on Google and I started researching where the best manufacturing countries were. And Italy came up, Spain came up, traveled to both, been to both, and then Turkey came up. So I'd never been to Turkey before. And I thought, wow, like, I really should go and check it out. And I think that from that came the attitude of impossible is nothing, which is the DNA of our business now. It's all about saying, if we don't have an answer to something, how do we find the solution? And what it comes down to is building a really robust team, having the right people around you, because whilst you may not have the answer and the solution to everything, what you need to be good at is finding the best people to put all of those pieces of the puzzle together. Um and that's essentially what what's happened with us. You know, we obviously we manufacture in Turkey and Italy now to an extent. Um, we retail both online and offline, so we've got mm. an, um, a really strong omni-channel solution. We launched online initially, and now we are in Maya in Sydney, Maya, Melbourne, Brisbane, Doncaster, Adelaide, um, about to come to Perth as well. We've just opened in Salford, London and Manchester, and about to open in New York and San Francisco, Bloomingdale. So there's a lot of moving it. There are a lot of moving pieces. So before we talk about that omni-channel approach to doing business, you, um, the, when I said it's a complicated business, I, I guess it's not overly complicated. You've got a manufacturing, you've got manufacturing facilities overseas. You have a website that enables personalization. The orders go in. They get printed out at the other end, and the bag gets made. Is that is? Am I am I missing something? Uh, look, I mean, it's it, it's absolutely that's how we want the customer to feel, <laughs> but we, but and that's how it should be. It's seamlessly integrated. But of course, what it is, we've developed um, a very unique solution, a very unique proprietary solution, which enables us to produce one-off bags because it's all very easy to produce a thousand of the mm. same bags. But it, it, it's you've got to have an IP to be able to create entirely different. Um, Combinations. We've got over six billion design combinations. So you can imagine. Six million or six billion? Billion with a B. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Yes. I I bet the 80 20 rule applies, surely. I mean, to a point, but I think it's, you know, it's about building strategies and having those strategies in place in terms of how do we optimise workflow efficiency, how do we create systems which allow us to make certain bags in certain days and then focus on um, the production of, let's say, for example, pouches on Monday and totes on Tuesday. So it's about really working through the supply chain um, algorithm. That, that develop, it, You make it sound so simple going from a, a Build-A-Bear workshop to creating this beautiful business in Montpurse, but... Uh, what was the what was the biggest hurdle in that in that first kind of twelve months where you've gone, my God, what am I doing? Gosh, I think there's so many hurdles. <laughs> I think it, you know any new business will will always be asking themselves the question of who are the right people? Who do I need to have backing me on my team? That is always the number one problem because as we know, without people, you don't have a business. Mm. Um, Secondly, it's also actually about making sure that um, you are prioritizing and focusing on the single most important things because there are so many things that you can focus on at any one given time, but it's about really solidifying what the focus should be on first and foremost from a development perspective, from a marketing perspective, from a budgetary perspective. And then you've also got the added pressure of raising capital because as we both know, if you want to um, scale your business and build your business up, you do need to go out there and raise capital. So that always comes with challenges, particularly when you have 
your first capital or your second capital raising that you're doing and you have a fairly unproven model mm. which you need to sell into potential investors and validate your justification behind your valuation. Who, who did you look for for guidance in this in this personalization market? Because I know Nike Nike have been doing sneakers for quite a while. They were one of the first, weren't they, to sort of apply the the power of the internet to personalizing product. Did you look to them or who else? Yeah, look, I didn't actually specifically have any customization expert um, on my on my my books or my uh, call list, so to speak, <laughs> but I didn't trust the support of two advisors. One of them was a very solid and strong CMO, and the other one was a very strong CTO. So they'd had experience in digital marketing and um, and uh, obviously technology with some of the biggest players in Australia and overseas. And it was to them that I turned for their guidance in terms of how would you go about troubleshooting certain problems? Because the most important things that we had was how do you build the check and how do you have effective marketing campaigns to reach broad audiences? Before we could worry about, you know, building the infrastructure, supply chain, etc. Because first, you've obviously got to validate the MVP or the minimum viable product. Um, but I do have two really strong advisors who I look to for that. How did did you validate it, Lana? Because you did actually uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you did a million dollars in your first three months. That's pretty good validation. Yeah, look, I think that obviously the numbers speak for themselves. But I think that what we did is we launched. I had the concept in at the beginning of 2014. We then built the systems and the platforms and we launched in beta online only at the end of 2014. And within a month, which was sort of Christmas 2014, we could instantly see that supply was, uh, demand was exceeding supply. So the very first factory who I struck a deal with in Istanbul, they had a certain limited capacity of orders that they could produce in any one given month. Within the first week of that month, we were already putting through a month's worth of order. So you could see that the demand there and we needed to we needed to scale our operations but in order to be able to scale we had to have funding because there's infrastructure development that had to go into that you've got stock you've got you know production teams etc etc so you needed to invest in that to be able to allow for any more orders to come through so once we had that validation we then went to market and raised capital and off the back of that we developed the infrastructure or the proprietary system which I'd spoken about earlier which is all about how do you engineer your supply chain in such a way that allows you to create, um, you know, 1,000, 4,000, 5,000 completely different bags all at the same time. And actually in February when I was standing on the supply floor in uh, Istanbul, I had a bit of a tear in my eye. It was a really special moment because as I looked down, I could see that there was 1,000 handbags being created all at the same time. And a thousand happy customers were going to open that big, beautiful black box with their tissue paper and dust bag and have a bag which is truly unique to them. And that made me smile because that is not something that happens every day. Well, good on you for owning up to having a tear in your eye because I often speak to successful business owners and ask them about that moment when they've realised that, hey, this is special. And they're so busy with the next thing they've got to get onto that they don't allow that tear to come, right? You know, they just move on. So, 
I think that would have been a wonderful moment. Absolutely. It really, really was so special. Listeners, I'm talking to Lana Hopkins. She's the co-founder of Mon Purse, which is a personalised luxury handbag and leather goods business. Lana, up until October 2015, you were 100% online. What was your thinking behind opening your first retail outlet, which was in Bondi? No, Paddington. Paddington, that's right. Yes. So um, in July last year, um, when I was speaking at the online retail conference in Sydney, mm. I happened to meet a lovely gentleman by the name of Richard Umbers, who you may know as the CEO of Maya. And we stuck an instant sort of connection and we started to talk about innovation in the retail space, particularly in bricks and mortar. So um, we... Uh, I spoke about this uh, concept for a little while and Richard suggested that we should open in Maya, Melbourne, um, which is something that happened um, in November 2015, last mm. year. Um, at the same time, though, we also met a gentleman called Andy Dunn from a famous US brand called Bonobos. And Andy and I had a couple of minutes together and I asked him, Andy, if you had your time again, what would you do differently? And he said, I would have opened a store in Soho in New York and had my office upstairs. Um, we were driving through Paddington at that time and we thought, wow, there's a really great opportunity. There's a beautiful store right next to Nudie Jeans on William Street. And we thought, why not hire an office space with a store downstairs? And that's exactly what we did. And that has proven to be the best decision we've ever made. Why? Because we could actually see what the consumer interaction was like uh... with the product. We are able to have a number of different pivots throughout the product last cycle. We could understand that this is the direction we needed to have. It's that intimate feedback which we couldn't have otherwise received. So so having that store, I'm guessing I, I spoke to the girls from Spell and the Gypsy Collective uh, a few months ago, that beautiful business out of Byron that do $20 million online, but they have a store. Um, it's become quite a tourist attraction actually for them and a wonderful customer experience. So for you, I'm guessing... Well, you tell me, is the store a major component of your revenue or it really is a place for you to watch the customers interact with your product? It's a number of things. I mean, we don't look at our stores as stores per se. We call them what you may describe as the Mon Gallery. I love it. And the concept of having a Mon Gallery is so that you can feel all of those magical, warm and fuzzy things that I experience at the Bear Workshop. Uh. It's it's not thinking, it's not looking at stores and thinking about it as this is another distribution portal. Let's squeeze as much stuff as we can in there. It's about walking into a really magical place where you can see beautiful handing leathers. You've got the hardware, you've got the technology, the iPads, you've got the beautiful bags, and you know, you've got chairs. You can come and sit down and really feel like you're part of an atelier design process. And that is what facilitates that. A lot of our orders happen online. A lot of the orders are placed in stores. It's a really strong marriage between the two, which is why we do have such a fantastic, true definition of an omnichannel brand. And I think what we've really done is we've created a customer-centric business. And essentially, the objective of a customer-centric business is not to think in silos. Rather, it is to focus on, well, hang on, what does this lady wants or what does this man want and how do we give them what they want when they want and how they want it be it via social media strategy be it online, be it in store you may make your first purchase in store but your next five are online or vice versa 
Can you explain, please, Lana, how that plays out? Because I get it. I get the importance of a customer-centric strategy, but you've got people all over the world now. You're online and offline. How do you actually sit down with your people, your your customer-facing people, and say this is how this is the Monpurse way. Look, I think it's it's not that so much that we have to sit down with our team and explain that to them. That's the DNA of the brand. So essentially, the two things happen hand in hand. They happen together, and people know that when they come into our stores, they can have the same seamless and integrated experience as they do online. Um, what? people may want to do when they come into this store is experience things such as smell. And you can imagine smelling the different leathers. You are not able to do that online. You can visualize it, you can see it, but unfortunately you cannot smell the product. So it's about saying, you know what, every time that we open in any given city, our online sales go up as a result. So we open in Adelaide, all of a sudden sales spike. And what it's all about, it's all about giving people that hope, that opportunity and the development of trust. Because if there is a physical location, even if it's just that one in that city, people know that should there be a problem, they can come in. But more importantly, if they want to come in and experience the product firsthand, human beings need that physical interaction, I think. I don't think that's going anywhere. You look at Amazon. They have just they are the biggest online player and they've just opened their fifth experience center in Chicago. What does that say to us? It says to us that the two currencies need to work hand in hand. Totally not, agree. Not as opposing silos. Yeah. We'll always want to eyeball, right? Tell me, um, you, you talked about speaking at this retail conference and making a connection with the boss of Maya. I mean, what a wonderful, wonderful opportunity. And most people are knocking on Maya's door. He comes knocking on your door. Um, look, I think it was just the marriage of the minds. I think mm. we feel so incredibly honoured and humbled to have had the opportunity to have met such a wonderful and intelligent person who obviously is very much ahead of the curve. I feel that Maya is in a really interesting position at the moment. They are really all about disruption and innovation and creating experiences. They recognise that Good on the them. modern... Um, the, the modern customer wants more than just a shopping experience. They want an unforgettable theatrical experience, which is what keeps them coming back. Isn't that right? Ab- absolutely. And, and good on a big department store for recognising that because I, I must say I still walk into a David Jones or a Meyer and get underwhelmed by the customer service, but I know they're working hard on the customer experience. So you have these, are, are they called concierge stores in Myers? They're called concession stores. So... Um, what that essentially means is that we build the infrastructure, we do the fit out of our stores or our galleries, I should say, um, to look the way that we want them to and we staff them out as well. So all of the wow. team members that you see in a Maya store, Ashley, my purse team members, not my team members, that is something that is absolutely critical to us in any environment. We're just opened in the UK and we've got a my purse team over in the UK who work at Selfridges and likewise for Bloomingdale's. Everybody that you see in any of our concession stores with a depa- within a department store is a Montpersian employee. your people. Tell me, um, the Bloomingdale's and the Selfridges contacts, did that come out of Maya or is that something that you chased independently? 
everything that we chased independently, we did have some support um, from the Maya team, obviously. Uh, both Daniel Bracken and Richard Umbers had introduced us to a number of people and we were fortunate enough to meet. Um, Self, which specifically was an independent contact, as was Bloomingdale within the Mumphurst team. Um, I think it was just a case of saying, mm. you know what, we've got such an unbelievable story. Um, our performance at, at Maya is unbelievable. We are very much one of their top performing brands now a year on. Um, so it was all about saying, let's take those case studies to the US market and the UK market and let's see what they say. And um, things happened a lot quicker than we would have thought. <laughs> They sure have. To, to that point, how do you harness this? Clearly, you're a motivated person. Clearly, you absolutely love what it is, what what you do with Mon Purse. How do you harness this huge momentum that you have in a way that constantly pushes you forward positively and not overwhelms you? Look, I think it's what you said, Tim. I think it comes down to the passion. I think passion makes the world go around. And I, every time that we sort of um, get to the top of that hill, I always ask myself the question is, what's next, what's next, what's next? And I think that by having the attitude of impossible is nothing, we always strive for more, 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 more. That's not to say that we don't stop and celebrate and smell the roses. But I think it's I think it's about having that appreciation that the momentum is here the momentum is now, and therefore there's no time to no time to stop and um, and look back. Make hay while the sun shines. Um, tell me, you don't just on marketing. You don't discount or ever have a sale. Is that correct? We don't. We participate occasionally in promotions which Maya may have, etc. But our business philosophy is no. We don't believe in sales per se because essentially that devalues your brand and your product. And I think you've got to focus on the quality of the offering. But we do occasionally participate in, you know, Maya special days, Boxing Day, etc. To um to really excite the customer and be part of the community of the department stores that we work with. Besides a great product, because the best marketing is a great product what's what's the most effective way to you for you to get the mon purse brand out there i think it's been the storytelling jim it's yeah. been the journey it's talking about it's talking about a really ordinary and simple idea which turns into something magical i think it's authenticity is key and for us we we partner with really incredible and interesting people who have achieved great things such as laura brown who's the editor-in-chief of install america mm-hmm. um who has just created her own collection exclusive to mom Perth, which is fully customizable i'm at that by the way mm. um but you know it's about collaborating with like-minded people and it's about being authentic in your communication strategy. Customers are intelligent people. They can see that they're getting a product which is made in Europe by generational craftsmen at a very affordable price point, and that speaks volumes. I think authenticity is key. I absolutely get that storytelling thing, Lana. You know, as I was researching Mon Purse and you, the first time I heard about you was through um, Paul Greenberg at Nora, and he told me the Mon Purse story, and I'm like, that sounds unreal. And then I go and find articles on Mon Purse, and again, it's you telling the story. And I just, anyone listening to this, you've got to craft your story, and every business has got one, haven't they, Lana? I mean, it's not as if just, Mon, as you say, Mon Purse, it's a leather handbag company, but you've created a beautiful story behind it. And I think any business can do it. I think anybody can, absolutely. I think that, you know, people want to celebrate the passion. People want to be part of that story. It's like mm. every single customer that we have is sharing the Mumpers journey. It's not just myself or my team. 
everybody who has any sort of affiliation or connection with the brand is very much a part of that journey. They are creating one of their own combinations. So out of the six billion design combinations we have, somebody in the world right now is part of that journey. How exciting is that? Unbelievable. You must have looked every now and then come across a design that's come through and you've gone, oh, really? Really? Are you sure they didn't push the wrong button? No, no. I think I think I think that you know what beauty is always in the eyes of the beholder. Oh, very true. Very good answer to that, Lana. Before we finish, I know you've got to go back to get and get the whole Bloomingdale's thing sorted out. I love to finish on five quick questions. Number one, what's the best book you've ever read? Wow, that's a really tough one. Um, gosh, the best book I have ever read, ever, ever, as in ever. Um, gosh, I think War, War and Peace is one of my favorites, <laughs> one of my childhood favorites. Yes. Are you serious? Yeah, no, oh, I love it. Funny, I've not read it, but it's a, it's an epic, isn't it? Um, if you could change one thing about your life instantly right now, what would it be? Gosh, instantly right now. Um... I wish I could be everywhere at once. I wish I could be in Australia enjoying the summer in London and in New York. I miss my teams very much. So, look, I wish I could be uh, I wish I could be teleported anywhere at any time. <laughs> Not far away, I'm sure. What's your favourite item of clothing? My handbag, or would that be? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I've always loved beautiful blazers and I've always loved beautiful coats. And I've got a really nice and warm coat at the moment by Sandro, which is keeping me very warm this Can't winter. Live what drives you absolutely nuts? A couple of things. I think lack of honesty is drives me mental. It's something that I cannot stand. And I think poor attention to detail and misorganisation that drives me nuts Ooh, as well. I like those two things. And finally, what makes you laugh? What gives you a really big belly laugh? Gosh, <laughs> uh, I think, you know, my husband's very funny. He's always got lots of jokes. And I think that one of my <laughs> biggest sorts of inspirations is being able to laugh at myself. I totally agree with that. I wish my wife would say that about me too, that I've got lots of jokes and I'm really funny, but she just says they're all dad jokes and they're not funny. But anyway, hey, Lana, Mon Purse I think is a wonderful story. I'm honoured to be able to capture it in what is probably very early days, two years in, and I just wish you all the success for the future. Thank you for sharing. Thank you so much, Tim. Thank you. I hope you have a lovely morning in Australia. Stay warm. There you go, Lana Hopkins, co-founder of Mon Purse. What a dynamo. Are you feeling as inspired as I am? I love speaking to business owners like Lana. Hey, coming up, I'm going to share my top three attention grabbers from that fireside chat with her. But first, here's a word from two businesses that want to help you build your beautiful business into the empire it deserves to be. The support for this show comes from Key Person of Influence, a structured business accelerator program that's, well, not for everyone. Founder Glenn Carlson explains who KPI is ideal for. Anyone that's built a business based around a skill, a talent or an expertise where a lot of their revenue is reliant on them delivering that skill, talent and expertise, we show them how to change gears from being the operator with a supporting business built around them to being an entrepreneur where the business is in fact operating and providing that value so they can take that step back and start to uh, run the business instead of the business being designed to run them. 
We love working with a small business owner that's sitting on a mountain of value right now that they don't even recognise. KPI, taking you from being a business doer to a business owner. Grab a free hard copy of their Amazon bestseller over at keypersonofinfluence.com forward slash Timbo. Support for this show also comes from Web Central, who are pretty damn good at helping small business owners like Massimo, original Italian pizza maker. Get more customers. Massimo, original Italian pizza maker. Owns Pizziera on the road and not only loves simple Italian pizza toppings, but he also loves how Web Central have been absolutely nailing his Facebook advertising. I asked Mossimo what difference they've made to his business. Social media is unbelievable. So when I start to advertise my, my company through internet, at that time I was working with one wood fire oven only. Now I got four with the possibility to rent the fifth one. So probably I'm doing three times what I used to do till three years ago. Very happy. But his love for Web Central didn't stop there. But the result went very high, very high. It was surprising for me. Very, very surprising. Web Central, where love is in the air. Find out how they can get you more customers by managing your social media over at webcentral.com.au forward slash Timbo. Righto. So my top three attention grabbers from that chat with Lana, I've got to tell you, it is not easy getting it down to three because I think she gave so much gold away. It was amazing. Number one, uncomplicate the complicated. Now, as I've said before, complicating things is really, really easy. I found this when writing my book, The Boomerang Effect. It was so easy to be verbose and wordy. So I spent a huge amount of time removing words and sentences until I felt that the key point of each chapter was shining through. Simplifying things takes work. I think it takes courage, but boy, does it pay off. So uncomplicate the complicated. Love that bit of advice from Lana. Attention grabber number two. I love the name The Mon Gallery as opposed to, you know, shop or store. I love it when businesses create their own language. You know, avoiding the word shop or store and calling uh, the Monpurse bricks and mortar retail presence a gallery gives the brand a certain je ne sais quoi. (laughs) It's about as far as my French goes. Yeah, I've done this with the Small Business Big Marketing Club, which whilst at the heart of it, it is a forum, and up until now I've been calling it a forum, As a member of the club, you get so much more than the forum, and I think it's much more interesting to be part of a club. So that's the language I'm trying to start to inject into the brand. So have you got brand language in your business? And if you haven't, you might want to consider introducing it. Attention grabber number three, impossible is nothing. What a great quote from Lana. What a brilliant attitude. Bring this back to a marketing context. I see too many business owners with limiting beliefs around creating effective marketing. You know, it's too complicated, it's too expensive, it's too time-consuming, I hear them say. You know what I say to that? Rubbish. If you really want a video marketing strategy, if you really want a podcast, if you really want to write a book, if if you really want the world's best website, then you'll find a way and a means What do they say about that word impossible? It's made up of I'm possible. 
impossible, guys, is nothing. That's what grabbed my attention. Uh, I'd love to hear what grabbed yours. Go over to the show notes. Go on. Off you go. Come back and listen to the rest of the show because I've got some good stuff going on. But just pause. Head over to smallbusinessbigmarketing.com forward slash 344. Scroll down the bottom. Leave a comment. I'll respond. Thanks. All right, it's now time for me to share one simple yet effective marketing idea that you can implement today, immediately. An idea that's not going to cost you a fortune and that might just generate you more awareness, more inquiry, and ultimately more sales. Today's idea team is to give away a free branded t-shirt. You know, the word free is one of the most persuasive and powerful words in the English language. I mean, free beer, (laughs) that's got to be one of the great headlines, right? In business, free is a great word to use in your marketing. Who doesn't love the idea of getting free stuff? You know, one of the best and easiest ways you can build brand awareness, boost customer loyalty, and generate more inquiry is by giving away free company swag. But take note, not all swag is created equal. Oh, no. Do not make the mistake of wasting money on stuff that the average person ultimately just ends up throwing into a junk drawer, like notepads, pens, stress balls, key rings. Hey, doesn't that stuff send you to sleep? We don't want any of that. Instead, give away free branded T-shirts instead. Why? Because people will actually wear them. They'll promote your brand. Here's my three steps to creating a rock star branded tee. Step one, create a few initial design options. Once you've decided on a final design, have your first batch of t-shirts made and sent to you using an online retailer or a local print shop. Simply just go and Google something like online t-shirt printer and you will be confronted with a lot, I promise. Step two, Start sending or giving your new T-shirts out to friends, prospects, social media followers, customers, and anyone else who requests one. And if you want to go the extra mile, then automate the entire process using a website like Printfection. I'll put a link in the show notes to that, who manage and distribute uh, businesses' promotional merchandise. Really cool little business in itself. Step three, follow up with everyone and ask them to send you photos of themselves wearing your T-shirt or have them share it with you on Facebook or Instagram. Collect the photos and put them on a page on your website. That's how you start to create a tribe. Now, here's the pro tip. Nail your design and pick a cool-looking T-shirt, a quality T-shirt. Remember, you want people to wear it, right? As always, there will be links in the show notes to the resources I mentioned uh, in this little idea. So head over to smallbusinessbigmarketing.com forward slash 344. And if you'd like help implementing any of the ideas I share in this segment, then go ahead and join the Small Business Big Marketing Club, where I will personally support you on your marketing journey for a massive 67 bucks a month. Hey, <laughs> gotta love that. So, What have you got to lose? 
That almost wraps up another episode of the Small Business Big Marketing Show. But plenty of marketing gold coming your way in the weeks ahead. Next week, we talk about how and why you should consider crowdsourcing with Design Crowd founder Alec Lynch. It's a good, insightful interview on a topic we haven't covered uh, in depth uh, lately. Hey, do you remember that recent episode in which I caught up with viral video mastermind David Christensen? He's responsible for some of the most viral videos of the past couple of years. Remember the shark attack one in Sydney or the guy taking a selfie inside the tornado? Here he is talking about his scepticism of viral videos. All I can tell you is that when we first set out to kind of explore this medium, uh, I was way more trusting with the world uh, and Mm. I am far more sceptical now uh, on on everything that I see. Uh, You know, even the most outrageous ones, you got to look at uh, with a a critical eye to, you know, figure out if you think it's really true or not. Obviously, there there are so many of them that are just luck and you know, catching the right moment at the right time, getting Mm. that awesome, you know, bit of vision. But there's a a lot of fabricators out there like ourselves um, Mm -hmm. that that are in the mix for sure. Oh, that was a fascinating interview, I must say. He's now gone on and created a hugely successful video production company off the back of creating some wildly successful viral videos. You can listen to my full interview with Dave, plus hundreds more, over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com or what I'd really love you to do is subscribe free on iTunes. Hey, I'd love to hear from you. Send me an email. Say day. Tim at timreid, R-E-I-D, dot com dot A-U, or hit me up on Twitter at Timbo Reed. Be sure to grab a free hard copy of the Key Person of Influence book over at keypersonofinfluence.com forward slash Timbo, but only if you want to become more visible, value, and valued and connected in your industry. And remember, you too could be like... Massimo, original Italian pizza maker. <laughs> and have huge success with your social media marketing. So why not hand that responsibility over to Web Central? You can check out their exclusive listener social media package over at webcentral.com.au forward slash Timbo. If you loved the Small Business Big Marketing Show, please tell another business owner. I think you deserve to, well, they deserve to know about it. You know what I mean? Pay it forward. Until next week, I'm Timbo Reid. Thanks for listening to the Small Business Big Marketing Show. May your marketing be the best marketing. Bye for now.